This is Bless You Boys Podcast 101, recorded February 7th, 2014. Kate Upton, Justin Verlander, and TMZ. Thanks for listening, and enjoy. BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog, covers the, well, in this case, about the past six to eight weeks of Detroit Tigers baseball and some baseball news as well. Yes, we've been on hiatus since we celebrated Kurt's birthday and slash Christmas at the same time on the last podcast, and that exhausted us to the point where we needed to take over a month off, plus there really wasn't much to talk about anyway. You know, we, we do need to take a break from this, but we're back, we're hitting the ground running, and we should be, you know, pretty much doing this on a weekly basis from here till, well, the end of the season. God forbid. I can't believe we're already talking about the end of the season, but here we are. Regardless, get the introductions out of the way. I am your host, Al Beaton, Managing Editor of Bless You Boys. I have the uh, the usual gang joining us. The band is back together. First off, let's uh, introduce the man we know as Hookslide. Hookslide, how things on the west side of Michigan? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Kurt's birthday bash was crazy, man. Uh, For a month now, I've been trying to recover from that bender, so <laughs> I'm surprised you guys remember who I am. Who are you again? I, I don't even know. Yeah, exactly. Also, we have, uh, he's a Thomas for Detroit News. He does numerous things for SB Nation. I expect him to be running the whole mothership within a couple years. And he's also managing editor of Bless You Boys, and that would be the king of the UP, Kurt Menching. Kurt, how's things? Well, you know, speaking of Bender, bite my shiny metal ass. <laughs> <laughs> I will not. Uh, no, Kurt gets a plus one for a Futurama reference, so... Futurama is what it, it drives, bless you boys. <laughs> Good to know. Hey, I just don't want to know who's the uh, who's the, the Zoidberg of bless you boys. I think we all know who the Zoidberg of bless you boys is. <laughs> all right, let's let's move on. <laughs> all right, you want to contact us about the podcast? Um, you can email us at uh, bybtigers at gmail dot com, bybpodcast at gmail dot com. You can also contact us through Twitter at Bless You Boys and also via Facebook, facebook.com slash byb.tigers. Uh, yes, and be on the lookout for what's going on on social between uh, the Bless You Boys Twitter account and the Facebook account. We're really trying to push that this season, so expect a lot of fun content coming from those two um, sources. So uh, if you're not following us uh, on Facebook or Twitter, I'm ordering you to do so right now. Yes. Or otherwise, Kurt will uh, make more obscure Futurama references. Well, and just to just to tease people a bit, you know, I, I think a lot of my reporting during my time in Lakeland, which we might talk about later, will will be on Facebook first. So follow, you know, like us on Facebook, and and, and that's where you're going to find stuff. Exactly. So 
I guess social is where it's at. So please be social with us. I guess we can, should talk a little bit about what's going on with Bless You Boys uh, as a site. Uh, obviously, we've added a new writer. We're on the lookout for more. Uh, we have some plans for spring training, plans for the season. So, um, uh, Kurt, I guess uh, first off, we introduced her today. We introduced Catherine. So why don't you tell us a little bit about our newest writer? Okay, well, I'm not even going to try your last name. Exactly. That's why I, that's why I just called her Catherine. <laughs> I, I took me forever before I could spell it right, but but Catherine... Uh, it's pronounced Sinchu Chu. <laughs> that, I, wow, that's a throwback reference. <laughs> <laughs> Some people will get that, and those listeners who understand that, we love you. Yeah. Okay, so Catherine, yeah, she, you know, I, I just noticed uh, that she was... Uh, her MLB blog, I didn't know those existed still, but uh, her she she was just doing some reporting over there, and I'm like, I'm a I'm a smart blog manager. I went, hey, you know, she she has some style. Apparently, I has low access. Why don't I why 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 don't I get in touch? And you know, so we we brought her on board. She she's majoring to to become a journalist. Uh, she she's a veteran of the uh, Air Force and an uh, Army Reservist. So you know, it's it's good to have some. Uh, Someone with military experience, then you know where mm-hmm. my father was in the military. I, I'm a I'm I'm a big fan of anyone who you know who who serves their country like that. So uh, that I appreciate that aspect too. But you know what she's going to bring the readers is uh, hopefully some you know in stadium content. So you know hopefully she'll be able to keep her access and, and keep talking to you know the people you want and bringing firsthand reporting. You know we can always tell you what other reporters have said, but if if we can tell you by being there ourselves, all the better. So uh, Catherine will, will bring that. And, and, our, and our other, you know, announcement, and it's, it's a few weeks old now, but the podcast has not been on. So our, our other announcement was uh, promoting Melissa, you know, Melissa mm-hmm. High Hi Bear. I think I got that. Melissa. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa. Uh, yeah, promoting Melissa to, to being a deputy editor. So And, and she's going to also help our social content and write more and, you know, I, I, I think everyone is a huge fan of Melissa. I, I think Melissa is really awesome. So, uh, you know, very happy to promote her and and have her a bigger part of Westie Boys. So the, those are the two things we've done in the past couple of weeks. Yeah, and, and we, Melissa stepped up because Rob is going to have to step back. At least he's still going to be at the site, but he's not going to be quite as prolific as he has been because his real life job duties are well taking precedence. It's his getting. You know, he's a young man with a burgeoning career. So. Dr. Rob. Yeah, yeah, exactly, Dr. Rob. So uh, Rob will still be writing, for, as you've seen all along, Rob has still been doing the uh, our, our player countdown. He's going to be doing team previews, but uh, he won't be doing quite as much as he has been. But he's, he's still with us. But that's, but Melissa will step up in his stead. So, And, of course, we still have the usual gang, such as Hookslide and Patrick, uh, John, and um, uh, who am I? Oh, Phil Coke's brain, of course. And uh, who else am I forgetting, Kurt? Yes, Kurt. Yeah. Kurt. <laughs> well, you know, I'm not really on the site much, so I can understand that. Yeah, exactly. And, of course, myself. So, and, uh, <laughs> All right, with that, let's uh, – oh, yeah, we want to talk about spring training because that is coming up. And uh, guess who's going to spring training? Uh, a certain youper is actually going to cross the bridge. Well, actually, he's going to fly over the bridge, I'm taking it. Yes, quite a bit over the bridge. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, when do you go to uh, Florida, Kurt, and what's your plan? Uh, well, it's under three weeks now, February 26th. Uh, I'll be there six days, six nights, seven days uh, in Lakeland. Uh, so I'll, I'll be, you know, doing, going to the workouts, going to the games. I might drive up to Orlando or Kissimmee or whatever to, 
to the Braves complex for the game that's on Sunday. Otherwise, when I'm there, all the games are home games. So, yeah. So that, you know, that was nice timing. So I'll, I'll be there. I, I, I've got some features I'd like to report on, you know, if we do some of the, just the daily things that, you know, the reporters do. But, uh, you know, our, our goal at Bless You Boys is always to be original. So I don't, I'm not just going to be doing the exact same thing everyone else does because that wouldn't be any fun. Yeah, exactly. And Allison will be down there, I believe, at the same time Al- as well, correct? Allison is going to come, I believe she's arriving a day after I get there. Uh, mm-hmm. Our our good friend and former former Bless You Boys editor, Ian Castleberry, is going to be arriving a day That's or two right. before me. Uh, our moderator, uh, mm-hmm. North Carolina D, NCD, she's going to be there with Ian. So, uh you know, it, it's almost like a little mini Bless You Boys meetup. There, there's going to be a bunch of us. Phil Coke's brain is going to be over at Orlando, you know, going to Disney and doing all the all the stuff with the kids. So he's going to try and make it down. So, uh, you know, I, it, it's all unofficial right now, but I, I, I might try to, you know, organize, like, just a little get-together. Maybe everyone meets on the berm and for, you know, during the fourth inning or, you know, something like – something just to, to – I know some readers are probably going to be there. Maybe some people live in Florida. So it'd be, it'd just be cool. A good chance to meet people. And, you know, so that, that's what's going to be going on. So it should be fun, especially to get out of Michigan right mm-hmm. now. You know, I, I don't think any of our listeners in Michigan <laughs> are, are, are smiley happy people at the moment. My weather sucks. Your weather sucks. Everyone's weather sucks. Hook slide is going stir crazy. And you, so, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, broadcasting so, from the inside of an icicle right now. <laughs> I, I'm I'm podcasting from a house myself. Maybe that's your problem. But, <laughs> this is why but, I'm so cold. Yeah. But yeah, so we're we're going to be there. I, I'm already creden- you know credentialed with the Tigers, so it, it'll be fun and and hopefully, hopefully you know, uh, I don't miss my flight home and stay in Florida forever. Yes, and of course we are planning on some uh, much as we did during the. Uh, winter meetings, we're going to be trying some podcasting as well while Kurt's in Florida. And actually, that'll work pretty well with all the other people that are going to be down there. So we'll see what we can work out. So uh, it should be uh, quite an interesting week, to say the very least. So, uh, again, be on the lookout for more information into regard to Kurt's adventures in Florida and spring training. And, and remember, Kurt, picks or it didn't happen. Oh, there will be a ton of pictures uh, of every palm tree I see. <laughs> All right, guys, with uh, our housekeeping duties out of the way, let's uh, start talking some actual Tigers baseball. Not that there's been a lot going on uh, since Christmas. Uh, the Tigers, uh, pretty much since they uh, signed uh, Jabba Chamberlain, they really haven't done much other than uh, avoid arbitration in a few cases. And obviously the big news, Justin Verlander getting hurt. And that one kind of threw everybody for a loop. Uh, Verlander injured himself uh, in late December during a workout. Uh, and they were calling it a, a, a core muscle injury, very kind of similar to what happened to Miguel Cabrera's groin. They're not really being specific as to where. Um, surgery was performed by the same surgeon who operated on Cabrera. Uh, Tigers are not identifying. They really never have never spoke much about what exactly happened, other than it happened in a workout confirming he would be out six weeks, and they're also saying he is uh, already he, – he should be fine for spring training, should be fine for opening day. Um, and also, he's dating Kate Upton. So I think uh, – this all, I think, mixes together, Kurt. I know how you feel about Kate Upton, but <laughs> – but uh, the injury itself, the Tigers have kind of downplaying it, but there's still got to be a little bit of concern there when you're talking about a 30-year-old pitcher – who is going to be making close to $200 million over the next six years. 
Well, well, first off, it's not how I feel about Kate Upton. It's how I feel about the TMZization. Yes, the coverage of Kate Upton. I, I, yes. I'm sure Kate is a charming person, and, you know, I hope the happy couple is having fun. But, frankly, I don't give a crap. <laughs> I, see, I'm, I almost dropped a swear word. I don't swear on the podcast, but I, I, don't, I don't give a crap about what's going on in their private lives. I just care what's going on between the strikes. So mm-hmm. that's, that's that. But... Uh, Obviously, you're a little concerned any time anyone is injured, but uh, as far as the injuries go, this is not something that I'm really worried about. You know, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, you need, you know, the core is important in pitching, but th- this isn't something not, I would be more scared if it, this was like an elbow or, or shoulder thing, and, and yeah. it's not. So it's whatever he, you know, he hurt himself, he got fixed, uh, and like you said, we don't know exactly how he hurt himself or exactly what he got fixed. People like to speculate for Turnia, but that, you know, talking to Dr. Rob, he says, unless they say you don't know, the core <laughs> the core takes up quite a bit of your body, and, and just because you had surgery with a certain surgeon doesn't automatically mean you had a sports hernia. So yeah. we don't know, we can't say, but that that that's, how, you know, that that's, something that happened and, and mm-hmm. it shouldn't be a impact overall for the season. Yeah. It's uh, I'm, I'm, we'll likely learn more when uh, spring training rolls around and uh, hopefully Justin Verlander, I'm sure Justin Verlander will address us and we'll learn more. Hook slide. Um, I, as Kurt says, this is always a concern. And I know that uh, if you're looking at some of the other uh, blogs in the network who uh, are also in the central division, they're already starting with, Oh, Cabrera and Verlander are breaking down. Oh, yes, happy days. Uh, I'm sure there's some worry about that. I know I was concerned at least a little bit, but uh, right now, uh, being it happened in December, and there's already word that Verlander's already starting to throw again. Uh, well, how do you feel about all this? Are you concerned? Are you much more like Kurt, like just kind of poo-pooing it, or you fall somewhere in between? <laughs> I said poo-poo. <laughs> it doesn't, yeah. Look at Justin Verlander. He looks like a guy who's, you know, fairly well in shape, wouldn't you say? He's the guy uh, who get Kate Upton. I think exactly, exactly. Yeah. So you do read TMZ. Um, <laughs> yeah, he, you know, it's it's a fun little variable, I suppose, to throw into the mix. And I guess if, if the poor guy struggles at all in, you know, April, May, June, or whatever this year, like he did last year, then that will be one more thing for people to say, see, that's, you know, it's, it's the injury. It's the injury. But I, I no. I'm not too uh, too concerned about it. It's more of a curiosity thing. Like, how in the heck did you hurt yourself that bad during a workout? What were you doing? <laughs> I mean, we don't know what it is, I guess. But if it was, you know, similar to what uh, Cabrera did, I mean, he slid hard into second base to tear that, mm-hmm. you know, to tear that muscle. So what was Verlander doing to simulate? Uh, never mind. I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're going to go into TMZ territory there. So <laughs> right. The only thing I know is that he's with Kate Upton again, and he's not returning my calls. So yeah. that's. That's all I care about. Yes. Yeah. It's. Um, yeah. I think we're all on the same page here. It's. It's worth watching, but it's nothing to start, get all doom and gloom about at this point. And, you know, uh, surgery does miracles today. I mean, so uh, I'm sure Cabrera will be fine. I'm sure Verlander will be fine. And this is what spring training is for us. But I'm sure the first time Verlander gets hit hard in spring training, the doomsayers will come out. But again, it's spring training for a reason because they're going to be. He's going to be working on things. And obviously working to get himself back into shape. So uh, I'm sure Verlander will be fine. We're all in agreement. All right. Uh, the other real big news of the uh, past six weeks was the Tigers uh, 
contract issues, uh, the biggest one being Max Scherzer, who avoided arbitration and got very rich at the same time. Uh, the 2013 AL Cy Young winner uh, agreed on a one-year deal worth $15.525 million. Uh, when this went down, uh, Dave Dabrowski confirmed the team is still hoping to ink a long-term deal with Scherzer. Scherzer has also said that he wants uh, he would like to get a long-term deal in place, but he does not want to negotiate during the season. So if anything happens, it's going to have to happen uh, before April. So, And the odds of that happening with uh, Scott Boris as his agent, I don't think that's too good, but weirder things have happened. Also, the Tigers avoided arbitration with the usual suspects. Rick Porcello, who got a nice little raise, Austin Jackson, Alex Avila, who was the last to agree to a contract, Andy Dirks and Al Albuquerque. So, Kurt, thoughts on Max Scherzer uh, earning 15 million bucks, which is, I think, obviously, uh, one being a Cy Young winner, and two, Clayton Kershaw signing for the Moon played into this, and also uh, thoughts on his uh, ultimatum that he will not uh, negotiate during the season. Oh well, you know, if, if Max wants the Moon, he's going to get the Moon. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but but. Uh, one, he's almost certainly not going to sign before the before the off season. You know, after this year, that's just how Scott Boris plays it. He doesn't really do extensions, so I don't believe we're going to see one. Uh, uh, two, that might be for the better. It, you know, I guess it can go two ways. If Max Scherzer repeats his performance uh, in 2014, one, awesome for the Tigers, uh, but two, expensive. But it seems highly unlikely he's going to put up such, you know, incredible numbers. He's a, he's a good pitcher. You know, years ago I was calling him 1B to Justin Verlander's 1A, and then he, he screwed up and, and, mm-hmm. and made me look bad for a few months there. But he, he recaptured it. He, he's just an, an incredible pitcher, one, one of the best in the game, obviously. And uh, it, But can he do it again? I don't I don't think so. I, I think I think he's going to come backwards a little bit uh, and and – Ultimately, he's going to get paid a lot, but you know, not not like a two hundred million dollar deal. I think. I so think, you, sorry, I think you're, gonna you think a, he's going to repeat that? Well, what was his ERA in the twos? I mean, that's, that's yeah. Where, I mean, but where do you see him struggling? I guess is. I mean, I, I think I just don't think he's going to be as consistent, uh, and I think hmm. you you know, but we'll, we'll see. I when when someone you know jumps up so much in their performance, you expect them to fall back and. I, I just don't. I, I think we've seen in the past his mechanics have got, gotten off track, and, and he can tweak them and play with them, and, and eventually get them back. But when everything's working, he's incredible. But it, it, I, I kept expecting something was going to not be working there. So, but I, hey, I could be wrong. But it's just the way I see it. So he, he's going to get a lot of money, 160, 170 million, probably no matter what. But uh, I. Yeah, I, I, I kind of ran out of sauce there. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I thought he, he made some adjustments, uh, I would say, from 2012 to 2013, and that's what made kind of the difference is that he did make some fixes to his mechanics or whatever. So I, I'm kind of curious, you know, that surprised that you would say you don't think he'll repeat. I mean, obviously, maybe well, not. He's got difficult that level, mechanics. But that's his problem. He's got difficult mechanics. And, you know, when it's not perfectly – that's why people have always been afraid he was going to fall apart. You know, but when the Tigers traded for him, it was said Arizona gave him up because they expected his mechanics were going to get him injured. It, they didn't. 
you know, he made it through college fine. He 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 made it through his first year or two of, of the professional league fine. You know, by by the time he became a Tiger, he was like age 25 or 26. Uh, I forget the exact, but you know, he he was a little older. So you would expect he's probably not going to get injured. It would have happened already. But that doesn't mean he can repeat the, the you know the the strange mechanic perfectly every time. And, and we saw that get him into trouble year after year after year until 2013, where he he was perfect every single time. I, I I don't know. I I just don't think he's gonna do it. You know, I I don't I don't think he's gonna fall down and be like a number three guy. I, I just I just expect there's gonna be regression there. It was a career season. I mean, he, there's no way in hell he's gonna go 21 and three again. I mean, that's that season was so good. It was historical for a reason. You know, you know, guys don't have those kind of winning percentages. He, you know, if you look at all the projections, you know, you know, you know from the zips and all the other things out there. Uh, Scherzer is looking to be around, you know, 14, 15 wins with an ERA about 3.3. Nothing wrong with that. That's a top-of-the-line starter. But to expect him to – no, it, it can happen. I mean, you know, we saw with Verlander who put together a, a, about a two-and-a-half, three-year stretch where he was the best pitcher in baseball. Scherzer could do it. But don't plan on it, you know. That's the thing. Uh, hook slide. Anything to take from the I will not negotiate during the season statement? Um, meaning what, I guess. Well, uh, I mean, you think it's, it's just, that you, seems you, standard to me. Yeah, you think it's just, uh, uh, I always thought that, you know, they say, oh, it's going to be a distraction. I always found that kind of be kind of BS because that's what you have an agent for. How's it going to be a distraction? Well, I guess maybe just, you don't want to think about it. You know, I'm, I want to focus on how I'm pitching, how I'm performing. I don't want to be, you know, having to think in June or July about, you know, this contract issue looming over my head and, mm-hmm. you know, negotiations going on in the meantime. Let me just focus and play the game and then we'll talk business afterwards. Well, do, uh, do you agree with Kurt that we're going to see a regression from Max Scherzer this year? And there's going to be a, uh, well, what's your thoughts? Do you see this guy being a 20-game winner again with an ERA under three, or do you think he's going to be yeah. the Max Scherzer of, say, 2012? It would not surprise me if he was another 20-game, put up another 20-game season. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I, obviously, I kind of tipped my hand in my question to Kurt, you know, but saying I, I think he did fix some things long-term in his mechanics and delivery, so uh, I'm not, yeah, he's not going to maybe necessarily post the, you know, the Cy Young numbers mm-hmm. again. But I don't think it's going to be as you know as much of a regression as what as what even Zips is projecting. Oh, okay. Well, that that uh, gives us a nice segue into Zips. Uh, Dan, Dan Zaborski's Zips projections uh, were released uh, while we were on hiatus, and actually they were quite favorable to the Tigers. Um, really showing, for the most part, corner outfield and designated hitter were going to be the only positions projected to have below average production. So. Uh, I know people look at these projections, Kurt, and they're saying, what, uh, Cabrera's only going to have 30 home runs and 100 RBI, but people got to remember, one, that uh, the project, you know, they're projections for a reason. Now, they, they can only go by what he's done in the past and maybe extrapolate that in a way. And there's also the fact that Cabrera's coming off an injury. Cabrera is 30 years old now. So there's more to take from that, but... Uh, I'm, when, when you look at the projections overall, though, uh, it really does show that uh, the Tigers should be the class of the Central Division again. Well, yeah, I mean that that shouldn't really be a surprise to anyone. Although mm-hmm. I've read the internet uh, and I've, yeah. I've, I've I've read hook slides, and and so it might be a surprise to to some people. But it, it, it yeah, I have a reader. <laughs> yeah, I have to. I'm your editor. <laughs> anyway, <Thank> you. <laughs> anyway, uh, it, no, it shouldn't surprise people. 
what what team in the Central looks better than the Tigers? I mean, let's be real. Every single team, mm-hmm. nobody's got a rotation is good, and I don't think anyone has a lineup is good. And we can say, oh yeah, the Tigers lineup is not as good. Look, it, it's not it's not as good as the Red Sox or what you know. It's, mm-hmm. but, but the Tigers have a better lineup, and actually, one projection system. It's not dips, but one you know, mm-hmm. uh, Clay Davenport uh, of Baseball Prospectus uh, fame. His projection system has the Tigers like finishing with, uh, I think it's the second most runs in in, in the American League. Right. Uh, I, you know the 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 steamer system and our, our friend Lee Panas wrote about this. The steamer system projects the Tigers as scoring the most runs in the American League, yeah. and, and obviously zips like the Tigers. When all these projections are telling you the same thing, believe it. it it's not by accident. Mm-hmm. And and so the Tigers, great lineup, great pitching. It's just it's it's just a darn good team. No one no one has Central's even close. And and frankly, you know, they're probably one of the top two teams in the in the American League again. And we'll we'll just have to see how it shakes out during the course of the season. We know things change from from being on paper to being in reality. But they're they're one of the top teams in the American League. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's uh, uh they're they're going to be a different team in a lot of ways, but. You know, this is still a team with Miguel Cabrera, Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander, uh, you know, and and really the best rotation, if not in baseball, in the American League. You could argue that you know this is a even with the loss of Doug Fister, that pitching is going to take them a long, long way. Uh, hook slide. Uh, it really does look like you know for there's still there are some doomsayers out there, and actually you made some good points in one of your recent Apparently posts. I'm one of them. <laughs> yes, or you know where. Uh, there, there are a lot of question marks out there. Why don't you go into a little bit about, you know, kind of be the yin to Kurt's yang? I actually, I mean, overall, I, I still think they are going to take the division, and that really wasn't the point of my article. It was, you know, really more to say, look, it's not going to be a, a walk-off. You know, it's not going to be just a cakewalk for them. I guess the, the difference is, you know, like I said last year, watching them, it was just, it was, a, it was a foregone conclusion. You just knew they dominated. They were in first place for over eighty. 85% of the season, mm-hmm. there was never a question. And that may still be the case. Um, I'm not sure that's going to be the case. I think there's going to be a lot of ups and downs. I think there's going to be a lot of, oh, God, Cleveland's in first place and have been for a month and mm-hmm. what's happening. And it, it might be a little more down to the wire. Um, no, the Central doesn't pose a whole lot of a threat necessarily. But uh, I don't know. I, I don't like the gutted offense. It, it really bothers me. And I, I think. You know, maybe you don't have to pose a huge threat to be, you know, a contender against Detroit. I don't know. I don't know. We'll, the whole point of the article was we'll wait and see. Yeah. Yeah, and there's uh, – because yeah, there are a lot of uh, question marks or variables out there that we're really not sure how they're going to work out. And, Kurt, I still think the biggest one is Brad Ausmus. You know, he's still saying all the right things and obviously made a nice impression uh, during the winter caravan barnstorming around the state. But – you know, I, if you ask me, I, I still think Osmus is the biggest question mark going into this season. You know, for all you know, for all the naysayers about Jim Leland, and and, for, and I really think those people are blithering idiots. Uh, the man knew what he was doing when it came to running a baseball team. We really don't know what Brad Osmus is going to do, other than he said that he might be a little more sabermetric oriented. So, uh, I, if you ask me, Kurt, I think that I think it should be a bigger concern than anything else at this point. I don't even know if he's going to be more favorite Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know? so, but the, the, yeah, there's there's the question of leadership, of course, because he has 
you know, he, he, he guided Team Israel at, at the World Baseball Classic. And as my friend from the from the Dodgers blog pointed out, he, he was a player manager for exactly part of one game yeah. after. <laughs> exactly, yeah. In like 2009 or 2010 with the Dodgers. So, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he, he, he doesn't have a lot of experience. And you're always going to, you're always going to worry about that. You know, he didn't come up through the ranks. He didn't, he didn't sit, you know, next to, next to a manager as a bench coach or anything. So you're, uh, yeah, you're, you're going to feel a bit, but you know what? A, a lot of the things that you worry about and he, he points this out and I, I, I think it's, it's accurate. You know, he, he spent a long time in major league baseball. He, he saw a bunch of managers. He saw what works. He saw what doesn't work. Mm-hmm. He, he's younger, like the players. He knows how today's players are, you know. He, he so he's not bringing like some outdated philosophies into it. You know, the the question of if he can move from you know being being a, a player to to being the guy in charge. You, there, anyone who's gone from being an employee to suddenly being the guy managing all your friends knows that it's not quite as easy as you think. Uh, so that that's a question mark, certainly. But you know, I, I overall, I, I'm not really worried. I think, yeah, I think he's stepped into a pretty good spot. He's, he's stepping onto a, a, you know, joining a team that's uh, that's pretty unified. It's had a lot of success, and it expects to continue having success. So it's a good position for uh, Osmus to be in. Yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. But you're right. It's uh, there, there's a big difference between being a catcher and uh, essentially being an on-field manager, so to speak. And actually being the bad guy who's telling uh, players that they're going to be benched or demoted or released, or and of course being the voice of reason and discipline, you know, there's that's a that's a different line. And Alice, this is you know, you know, I'm oh, I'm sure he had to do it with Team Israel, but uh, not quite to the same uh, extent that it's going to be in Major League Baseball. So no, no one was getting paid twenty million dollars on Team Israel. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and 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 as always, you know. That the easiest man to change is going to be the manager. So I do have to think that Osmus, uh, it's going to be on a relatively short lease. And I'm not saying he's going to get, if the Tigers get off to a bad start, he's going to get canned or anything like that. But he doesn't have the track record that Jim Leland had. So, uh, you, you know, it would be great if uh, Osmus can just step in and be here for the next decade. But again, we just don't know. And that's why I'm keeping my expectations in check. Uh, hook slide. Uh, I really, I know we've we've sort of discussed this in the past, uh, when, especially when Austin was hired. But uh, do you think this is? Uh, my fear is that this is one of those flavor of the month hires, just because of work of Mike Matheny and some of the other guys out there. The Tigers think it can work with Brad Austin, and uh, that's my concern because there, there, even though some people love the Austin hire, there are others saying this is a veteran team on the cusp of winning the world title. Why shouldn't they have gone and gotten a veteran uh, manager who can, like a Charlie Manuel or or something like that? Yeah, that's a valid point. You know, I do think experience counts for maybe more than we're giving it yeah. credit for. Uh, you know, I'm going to say this. I, I think Brad Austin is going to prove to be a lot more of an old school manager than most people have. I think that's a good point there. I think you're right on with that. Uh, you know, it, it, so many of you know. I was one of the ones that was saying, oh, yeah, great. You know, young guy, Ivy League guy, he's going to be Mr. Sabermetrics, and it's going to change the whole way that he manages, and it's going to be better, and it's going to be awesome. But then he addressed that, you know, in that episode of Tiger Talk mm-hmm. back in January, he addressed that specific line of thinking and said, you know, people thought, because I'm young, because I went to Dartmouth, you know, I'm going to be Sabermetrics. And he flat out said, I'm not really into Sabermetrics. Yeah. So, 
you know, and I, I can't remember the exact quote, but he did say something to the effect of, you know, I'm, I'm an old school baseball player, essentially is what he said. Mm-hmm. And I don't think he's going to manage necessarily a whole lot, to, you know, out of line with what we saw with Jim Leland. Oh, God, so that means like bunts in the third inning? Oh, no. Well, no, they, <laughs> they gutted the offense. They're going to yeah. have to bunt. <laughs> oh, God, no. So get, get ready for this, you know. But, no, I think, um, you know, if he's not going to bring the sabermetric approach, and I don't think that he's going to. Yeah. It is going to come down to an issue of a look. You had a lot of experience with Leland. Mm-hmm. You had a guy who'd been managing for decades who could sit through, you know, and not make knee-jerk reactions. And you know, just, he had that 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 background. You know, been been around the the block a couple times. And I think it will take uh, Brad Osmus, you know, some time to get that, you know, that training. Yeah, I don't think he's going to get yanked after the first year if they don't make it or anything mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, I'll turn the corner here and just say too, though. I've always said I don't think the manager accounts for a whole lot in terms of the team's success. You know, he has he has some in-game decisions that he has to make um, that, you know, can affect the outcome of a game. But by and large, it's going to be the team's talent. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be really interesting. I don't know. You get a new manager. You have a whole new team composition. If things go great, who do you, you know, credit? Do you credit the talent of the team or do you, you know, credit the new management you know, it's going to be fun to see how that all shakes out. And, and worse, if they don't do well, you know, then we'll go, well, it's because Dombrowski gutted the team or it's going to be, you know, well, because they have this new manager with no experience, that was the big problem. So, oh, we're just, it's it's a big jambalaya right now. So yeah. it'll be awesome. Yeah, you're right on when you say, for the most part, almost every manager, young, old, makes, for the most part, the same decisions when it comes to on-field strategy, the X's and O's, the for the most part, they're all going to bunt around the same time. They're going to they all had to use the same stats, and they're going to play the lefty righty percentages. It's all about what's going on in the clubhouse. And if Osmus can get the team to buy into his clubhouse leadership, I think the team will be fine. And Osmus is a smart man. I think he realizes that as well. So it's going to be interesting, though, to, uh, to, to see some of the again the, the fan base clashing between the. Uh, pro and anti sabermetrics and where Osmus falls on this. So I'm sure there'll be some interesting discussions in Kurt's columns from the Facebook commentators. So that, that which is always enjoyable to read. So no. <laughs> no. All right. Um, Negative. Really, Nine. Yes, yes. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, sir. My, oh I'm not even yeah, going both there. Yes, I'm not even going there. Uh, all right. Uh, and the other uh, which made the other kind of story that made some news over the past few weeks was, of course, once again, the pundits and talking heads are essentially predicting farm system doom for the Tigers. Um, the minor league uh, system rankings have been out by the usual suspects to keep laws of the world. Uh, and once again, the Tiger system is, found, is to be found lacking, seriously lacking. Uh, Keith Law has the Tigers ranked 28th overall ahead of just the Angels and Brewers. Uh, baseball Prospectus top 100 list, top 101 prospect list, I should say, had just one Tiger on it. Nick Castellanos was 37th overall. I believe Major League uh, MLB.com's list had two Tigers on it. Uh, Castellanos and Robbie Ray was well down on the list as well. Uh, you know, Kurt, we see this every year oh, that the, the Tigers have a god awful farm system. Yet, uh, they're still a very good team. They seem to be able to come up with some decent arms occasionally. And it looks like they finally may have developed a position player in uh, Nick Castellanos, who uh, projections are saying he's going to be a fairly productive third baseman as a rookie. 
I mean, if you look, you know, if you look at the numbers, I think they're predicting like 260, 15 home runs, 70 RBI, which would be great for a rookie. Regardless of all that, I really find this farm system crap to be a bunch of bullshit. I find it very similar to the recruiting rankings you see in college football. Yes, he's a five-star player. He's a four-star player with half of these guys never doing a damn thing when they get to Division One football. I think a lot of this is the same way when it comes to prospect rankings and that, you know, a guy, uh, we've seen guys who are top ten prospects completely flame out. We've seen guys who haven't even, aren't even sniffing lists become productive major league ball players. It's a guessing game, and if you ask me, I think the laws of the world are, uh, they're trying to baffle some bullshit because I don't buy into this crap myself. Well, first off, uh, Rose Bowl. Yeah. I, I, just, had to, I just had to <laughs> mention yes, yes. that. Hurts a Spartan, exactly. I'm a, I'm a Spartan, and I'm used to Michigan State not getting laurels for its recruiting classes while Michigan is praised. Yeah, and, uh, look, and, and, and yet, two programs are. And yet, two years in a row, Michigan State should have gone to the Rose Bowl under the previous year's rules. And finally, they beat the entire freaking Big Ten, went to the Rose Bowl, and beat Stanford and made them, you know, kick their number ass. Number nation, number two. <laughs> I'm so, sorry, am I, am I in the right podcast? No, you're not. So, <laughs> no, so, leading to a point here. But so so yes, the, it it sounds lovely to to say this is a recruiting class. Look at you know look at the great bright future this this team has because of this recruiting class. Ultimately, it, it doesn't always translate. So yeah. and and like you said with the farm system, you know, a, a lot of it is just who's hyping their own people. You know, if if, if Nick Saban wants a player and, and you're you're projecting him as a three star player. If Nick Saban wants him, you're going, what am I missing that Nick Saban sees? He must not be a three-star player. He must be a four- or five-star player because Nick Saban wants the guy. So, you know, I, I think it works that way in baseball, too. You, 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 talk to, you talk to the scouts or you talk to the, to the you know, the, the executives or the GMs. If, if, they're, if they're talking up their guy or if certain GMs, like, say, you know, certain organizations like the Red Sox are, are talking up a guy, I, I think it's gonna it's gonna translate to what the rankings put them in. And look, you know, nothing against the Red Sox; they got they got some great prospects. They truly do. You know, uh, you you want their prospects. You you you, you would trade the Tiger system for the Red Sox system in an instant. But a, a lot of the game is, is basically, well, this is what this team has told me. You know, what this I you, you can't see all the prospects. There's there's thousands of players. You can't see them all with your own eyes. You're relying on people telling you things and and what excites them doesn't always necessarily translate. So, yeah, uh, the Tigers. We can all agree their farm is not good. I, I don't. I don't think their farm is good. They they gave up first round draft picks a couple of years in a row because they wanted to fi- sign free agents. They 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 draft a certain kind of player at the expense mm-hmm. of other kinds of players. So you see a lot of you know pitchers and and not so many position players. Uh, they haven't done it real great on the international market. You know, we we talk about the baseball like it's in, it's the other sports. Baseball is the other sports. Mm-hmm. You can get players without drafting them. It happens all the time, and that's what makes the Red Sox so good. Is a lot of their 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 prospects aren't drafted. They're you know they're coming from South America, or Central America, or, you know whatever. The Tigers could do better there. They they've done they had some names. I mean you know uh, Avicel Garcia or you know or, or Danry Vasquez. You know some of the some of the prospects that we 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 liked in the past year they they came internationally not not the not the draft. But uh, overall 
it, it just it, it's a system that gets something done and the tigers mm-hmm. the tigers are a team that doesn't need a farm system per se everyone needs a farm system with a certain you know something you can't have an all-star and a backup who's excellent at every position you need your farm system to fill in because injuries happen but uh, I don't put a lot of worry or rank or, or thought into or, or the 27th or the 20th or the 30th. You know, you, I, I think it's, it's stupid to think of it's clickbait. You know, mm-hmm. Robbie Ray, should he be in the top 100? Probably, but, you know, it's clickbait. Or yep. Baseball America, they tease the day before, wait till you see who's in our top 10. And then they, they put, you know, some guy number two or number three or whatever he was that, that nobody's heard of. And, yeah. and it's ridiculous. And, and and, the, you know, the people I know who follow Tiger's Prospects are all going, what the hell? You know, it, it's like clickbait, like teasing. So you can't even take this, the list serious. So that I don't think anyone should be taking these things serious. They're guides. They, they help you, you, you know, get a general view. Uh, and, it, it, you know, and the rankings help you understand a little bit, you know, is this, is this right-hander, you know, what's he throw, what kind of things is he, you know. This, this position player, is he a good fielder? Is he hit with power? You, you get a general sketch, but you should never put too much weight on any individual ranking system, player, or whatever. Yeah, uh, my favorite example has always been uh, the Kansas City Royals, whom the prospect geeks just raved about that system for years, saying this is going to be the next great team. Pretty much all those guys are now in the big leagues at this point, and at best they're a 500 team. You know, so if, if they're having, and that's a good year for the Royals with most of these guys. And a lot of those players that even make the big leagues, they all flamed out. So, uh, again, I always take this crap up, a huge grain of salt. And I try to ignore it as best I can, but there's still, uh, just like there is when it comes to a college football recruiting, uh, there's the same, there's a niche that just digs this kind of stuff. And that's who they're really aiming at. And, uh, if I'm going to listen to anybody, I'm just going to listen to guys like our own Jordan who pays attention to our farm system and our prospects, you know, and can give you a heads up of what's going on. Because I, and be honest with you, I could give a shit about the 29 other teams and their farm systems. I really, I don't care, you know. I only care if the Tigers end up maybe trading for one of those players, such as a Jose Iglesias. So, uh, I guess my opinion on this uh, hook slide is that. As long as the Tigers develop a handful of players that other teams can be interested in, and the Tigers have been very good at this, and flipping those players for legitimate major league ball players, I think that is how you're supposed to use your farm system. Yeah, that's, I mean, essentially the point I was going to make is you, we can knock the farm system all day in, in terms of, you know, they don't develop players and bring them up, you know, all the way to the majors, but yeah. it seems to have served them pretty damn well in the trade market. Hasn't exactly. It? Exactly. So, you know, there must be something there. It can't be an entirely crap system or other teams wouldn't be, you know, going after these guys. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll see, you know, we saw a little bit of that last year. Was it, uh, uh, the names are going to escape me now. Uh, when we got the uh, Jose Veras, it was, was it Vasquez that we traded from the yeah, White Caps? Mm-hmm. That was, yeah, that was, yep. So there's, I mean, there's one example of last year. I think we'll see it again even, uh, you know, even this year. We've got some, some, uh, Names that I'm keeping an eye on, at least, in the, in the Whitecaps organization for 2014. It'll be interesting to see whether they end up moving up, at, you know, up to uh, the Detroit level, or whether they end up becoming trade pieces. Yeah. And, and Jordan already in his prospect rankings, Jordan has said, "Keep an eye on this guy because he could be a complementary piece in the trade." Yep. You know? Yeah. Right. Exactly. And uh, you know, as exciting as it can be to see uh, uh, a homegrown product come in and uh, become a, the next really good big leader, which we're hoping to see with Nick Castellanos. 
Um, and, it, you know, there is a need in that the Tigers really do need a handful of cost-controlled young players that can kind of level out uh, the payroll, you know, because you need guys who are going to make league minimum to level out the Verlanders, uh, Scherzers, and Cabreras who are making $20 million a year. So, that yeah, you do need the farm system for that. But as Hookslide said, there are ways of other ways of doing that other than just depending on your own farm system to bring them up and put them in the big league lineup. You make trades, you sign free agents, minor league free agents, things like that. So, so you know the as you can see, I'm, I, I'll, I'll go off on a rant if I keep going on this. So I, let's just move on to. Well, probably something else is going to even lead to a bigger rant, <laughs> and that's the Hall of Fame vote. All right. Uh, while we were off, the Hall of Fame announced its newest class in our Greg Maddox, Tom Glavin, and the big hurt, Frank Thomas. Craig Biggio missed election by just two votes, so I'm sure he'll be a shoo-in for next year. Uh, on the Tigers' side of things, once again, well, uh, you could make an argument that uh, guys got screwed over. Jack Morris, who I've always thought would be a borderline guy, and it doesn't bother me that he didn't get in. You know, much as I would love to see a Tiger get in, Jack Morris was a very good pitcher. I don't know if he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. Regardless of that, Morris missed enshrinement, uh, and he falls off the ballot in his 15th attempt. It's up to the uh, Veterans Committee on him. Alan Trammell's candidacy is essentially over. Uh, he lost 13 points of support in one year. Uh, dropping from the low 30s to around 20%. Actually, he reached his high a couple of years ago at 36%. And his 13th attempt, Alan Trammell, is pretty much an afterthought, which is that, that's the one that gets me. This Alan Trammell cannot sniff the Hall of Fame, yet the likes of Barry Larkin and Ozzie Smith were given the red carpet. Regardless of, and let alone, there's the fact that how is Greg Maddox not a unanimous Hall of Famer? I find that to be absolutely mind-boggling that a pitcher as great as Greg Maddox, uh, arguably, what, if not the greatest pitcher of his, uh, of his generation, he's top two or three, how he is not 100% Hall of Famer, it's, it's beyond me. Well, you see, Al, we yeah. have rules <laughs> here in this uh, organization. We don't do unanimous uh, votes, yeah. my boy. Yes, yeah. If Ty Cobb wasn't, uh, didn't get in on a unanimous vote, well, no one can, which is, I find it to be patently ridiculous. I know Kurt kind of just shrugs his head at all this kind of, you know, shrugs his shoulders at this and shakes his head and kind of tisk-tisk and doesn't like to pay attention to this. But I know Hookside, I think this bothers you as well. Are you trying to start something? Please. <laughs> <laughs> I posted an article on the site yeah. uh, shortly after this all went down, comparing it to the way that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame mm-hmm. uh, does business. And I know there's, there's flaws in that system too, but overall I think they, they do a much better job of um, putting the emphasis on the fame yeah. part of that equation, which is what I think it should be. And I, I tend to fall way, way on the extreme side of this you know, debate. Um, I want to say, Kurt, you can confirm this for me. Wasn't it Grant? Risby that said the same thing, basically, in terms of, you know, let the Hall of Fame be the Hall of Fame. Put everybody, you know, put Barry Bonds in there, put Roger Clemens in there, you know, put Pete Rose in there. Um, yeah, I know. believe I believe that was Grant. And, and then Mark Norman didn't, I believe Mark said, who, who cares? <laughs> so <laughs> yeah. so I, I guess I'm the Mark of the bunch here. <laughs> That's right. I'm, <laughs> and I'm the Grant of the bunch because I think it should reflect, you know, the history of baseball, the you know, the fame aspect of it, you know. It's just, I don't know, there's so many things broken with the system that 
honestly, I I may never get to the Hall of Fame, and that's I mean, go visit it. <laughs> I know I'm not going to make it to the Hall of Fame, but um, I may never go visit there, and that's probably okay with me the way things are going right now. Yeah, well, that's, that's sad. Yeah, what's bothersome is that all of a sudden the baseball writers, uh, well, not all baseball writers, but most of the members of the BBWAA, the Baseball Writers Association of America, who are essentially a bunch of guys my age who are all upset over over uh, guys your age who are kind of usurping uh, their business model, uh, who have become moral arbiters. They, they are all of a sudden become judge, jury, and executioner on guys who never tested dirty for steroids, uh, were never suspended for steroids, uh, you know, let alone the fact that, you know, Hank Aaron took greenies and admitted taking greenies. Uh, Mickey Mantle was a functioning alcoholic. Ty Cobb was a freaking James Bond villain. No, there, you could go on and on. Right, and on and on it goes. Well, yes. save, even from the statistical side of things, yes. we're saying, well, Jack Morris shouldn't be in there because he'd have the highest ERA of any blah, 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 blah. Right. Yeah, okay, but was he a major splash in the major leagues for a good long time? He was considered the best big game pitcher of his generation. Exactly. Yeah. And we're not talking, I don't I don't know if sabermetrics really comes into this at this yeah. point. We're talking about the Hall of Freaking Fame. Should yeah. Jack Morris be in there? Yes. Yeah. Yes. yeah and that, and it, yeah, exactly. When you say no. guys like, uh, I'm sorry, go ahead. <laughs> no, 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 I don't think he should be. He was average for way too much of his career. He, he, he no. But, no. But, he, but he's not the kind of guy I think that really gets people inflamed. It's the, uh, as as Hookslide brought up earlier, the uh, the Barry Bonds of the world who are genuinely no doubt no brainer Hall of Famers, yet they're not going to sniff the Hall of Fame until this uh, ge- this several generations of baseball writers retire and die out, and lose their votes, and they don't lose their votes, which bothers the hell out of me as well because once they no, you can be right about golf for Christ's sake, and you still have a Hall of Fame. That that is that is the point that I and I, I tried to make this point to Lynn Henning on Twitter, and and mm-hmm. and you know my solution isn't perfect. Lynn's solution isn't perfect. There's there's probably no perfect solution, but uh, the, you know the point was we need baseball writers, at least somewhat active baseball writers, should be the ones you know voting. Why does this organization have so many people who you know maybe they wrote the beat for two years in 1980, you know 98 or something. Mm-hmm. And, but they keep their BBWAA card, and then they get sent the Hall of Fame ballot. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's completely stupid. You know, he says, well, you know, yeah, you need to have a certain amount of time watching the game and, and, and et cetera. And the people who have that time, you know, maybe some of them are retired now. And I, I agree. You know, you have to find a way. But, but frankly, you know, we, we need baseball writers or former baseball writers voting on these things, not not golf writers or football writers or food critics who wrote about baseball decades <laughs> so, You know, it, yeah. it, it's a right. stupid system as it is right now. You know, and, and that, here's a, I'm sorry, go ahead. Right, here's a crazy idea. Maybe something more, the, a, a broader field than just writers. I don't know. You know, maybe maybe some uh, former managers, maybe some players, maybe some fans, maybe some, you know. Broadcasters. <laughs> broadcasters. Broadcasters is, would be a great idea. Yeah. But then, of course, not voting. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, broadcasters. You know, if if I could get a vote, I would just, you know, I would just vote. Give it, give it to Dan Dickerson. Dan Dickerson is the man I would trust to get this right. I might not agree with him on, you know, his exact ballot, but I would trust Dan Dickerson as far as I would trust anyone at all to vote correctly in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, and actually, that gives us a very good segue into Dan Levitard. Uh Obviously, and say what you will about Levitard in that 
he has a Hall of Fame vote, yet he doesn't cover a beat anymore. He's essentially become a a talking head on ESPN. And actually, his show is very enjoyable. I've seen it a few times. It's not bad. He's pretty good at that bit. Regardless of all that, even though he doesn't cover baseball full time at all anymore, he still had a vote. Yet he he believes the system is horribly broken. So he was the writer who gave his vote to Deadspin, the the Gawker sports blog. Uh, and just in his effort to show just how screwed up the Hall of Fame vote really is, uh, he didn't take any compensation at all because Deadspin had offered to buy the vote. He just gave it to him, and Deadspin then uh, pulled their readership for their ballot. And be honest with you, the Deadspin ballot seemed far more reasonable than a lot of the BBAWA writers. You know, when you had clowns who would put one or two guys on the ballot – like the one uh, character who would not vote for anybody who played in the steroid era at all. Well, well, you know, except for maybe a couple guys. You know, there are, you know, that kind of crap. While uh, the dead spend vote was essentially was, you're, you know, there's there was at least 15 guys at least that you could make a Hall of Fame argument. Dead spend had 10 of them, no questions about it. Yet the BBWA responded. You know, this is how they're going to respond mm-hmm. by suspending Levitard for a year and revoking his Hall of Fame vote. Forever. So Poor what was your thoughts on all this, Dean? You are a former, well, you are a journalist, but you were former, formerly an ink, uh, 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 ink-stained wretch. Let's yeah, the, the poor guy doesn't get the good seats when you're watching the, the fish lose. You exactly. Know? Oh, boy, that's a punishment. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think it's a conflict of interest. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think ultimately it's a conflict of interest to be to be covering it, uh, these folks and reporting on them and then deciding which of them are in the Hall of Fame that doesn't belong to you. Now, if it was the Baseball Writers of Association, mm-hmm. uh, you know, vote, yeah, that, that's one thing. If they're saying this is our award we're giving out, but it's not it's not their award they're giving out. It's baseball's award they're giving yeah. out. It's mm-hmm. a conflict of interest. Many of them understand that. Ma- many of them go, well, you know, there's just – that's just the way the system is, but it, it's a it's a conflict of interest, and it, I, I I really think the BBWA shouldn't have the vote anymore. Yeah, uh, Coach Light, any thoughts on uh, Dan Levitard's actions? And uh, personally, I thought it was awesome, and plus his reasoning was very very good. That he said there's more people out there than just ancient baseball writers who know about and can make great decisions when it comes to baseball, you know, and he pointed out the, obviously the sabermetric movement and the internet movement. I think he's exactly right. And this is kind of what I'm, you know, saying earlier about, I think the vote should be more widely dispersed mm-hmm. uh, beyond just writers, um, especially this particular click of writers. But I, I loved his, his honesty, I guess, in saying, you know, I'm not necessarily the best uh, equipped to make this decision. I don't yeah. cover the sport. I don't know, you know, all there is to know, I trust the, the the crowdsourcing. And I thought, you know, he did it well. Uh, he avoided any hint of, you know, mm-hmm. the, the money being involved or whatever, the, the scandal of that. I thought he handled it extremely well. Great mm-hmm. idea. Love it. And it just, I think it made, it made so much sense. And it just looked really bad the way they came down on him so hard after that. But, well, okay, there you go. You made your point, and people won't forget it. Yeah, exactly. All right, let's move on since I, we're, we're running a little long, and we like to try and keep these podcasts Go figure. around an hour. Yeah, well, it's been a while. We had a lot to talk about. We do tend to be blowhards occasionally. 
Uh, Alex Rodriguez, his PED suspension was lowered to just a full season, 162 games, dropped from 211. Uh, and a lot of this, well, uh, when this all went down, 60 Minutes spoke to uh, the infamous Tony Bosch, the mastermind behind Biogenesis, and he just absolutely threw A-Rod under the bus between saying he personally injected A-Rod with PEDs, uh, A-Rod would spend 12000 bucks a month on banned substances such as testosterone, insulin growth factor, human growth hormone, and all types of peptide hormones. Bosch also claimed A-Rod was heavily involved in the doping himself and that he would research his PED cocktails all in an effort, in Bosch's words, to reach the 800 home run mark. Uh, now, obviously, the suspension will essentially end the career of Rodriguez, who is 38 years old, been in the league for 20 years. Uh, I'm sure he's going to want to come back after the suspension. I have a feeling he's going to be blackballed just as Barry Bonds was. Uh, Kurt, uh, this was just a huge mess. Uh, Major League Baseball handled this horribly. Alex Rodriguez handled it horribly. I think the MLBPA hasn't handled this well at all. Uh, it's just a huge mess that I'm sure at this point Major League Baseball just wants to go away. Uh, did Rodriguez do something? Yes. Do I think he deserved to be hung to the rafters? Uh, it's to be made an example of, I don't think, the way he's been treated, no. Uh, yeah, you know, I, I think we need like a like a, a Rocky impersonation from Hook Slide, cut my eye because, <laughs> you know. It cut me, Mick. cut me. Because Major League Baseball gave itself a stupid black eye in yeah. this case. It, it really did. It it. It, it's like it's publicly just whipping itself, and it doesn't do anyone any good at all. And then and, and this this CBS report was not a very good one. That's been handed it. What a fun. surprise! Sixty minutes screwing up a, a report. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Remember when sixty minutes actually was good at journalism? Yeah. Well, all but, those guys are dead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So anyway, that's been handed them their butt on several things, and I thought that's been did a great job, but. Yeah. Uh, it, yeah, A-Rod, I mean, one, I don't care, and two, I wish it would go away, and three, everyone who was involved has, has given themselves the black eye. Yeah, and uh, Hookslide, do you think A-Rod's going to get blackballed? He's, you know he's going to want to come back. I really think he's going to get the Barry Bonds treatment, because Bonds, after his contract ended, was still one of the best hitters in the game of baseball. You know, if you look yeah. at his uh, on-base percentage in OPS, he couldn't. he even offered to play for the minimum. And not a single major league team gave him a sniff. No one's going to want to touch a rod with a ten foot pole, not even a plastic one. Yes, <laughs> I mean, come on. Yeah. And really, it's—I mean—he's nearing the end of his, you know, line anyway. Right. Um, does it matter? I, I don't know. It's a heavy, heavy punishment. Mm-hmm. You know, all things considered. Um, I really, at this point, my my level of interest is uh, all I want to know is whether he's dating Kate Upton. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, we're all in agreement here that we're glad the story went away. We think nobody comes out looking good, and I think worst of all, Major League Baseball comes looking all, comes looking like vindictive assholes who uh, clueless who are clueless as well. All right, uh, one other topic that happened while we were off is that expanded instant replay was finally approved, in that. Everybody involved came to an agreement. Owners, players' union, and the umpires' union have agreed upon the expanded instant replay. Means it will be in effect for the coming 2014 season. Uh, 
replay will be greatly incre- increased. Plays that will be able to be reviewed include home runs, ground doubles, fan interference, boundary calls, plays at the bases, uh, tag plays, fair foul, trap plays, hit by pitch, timing, touching, tickling, pretty much anything. Uh, pretty, and, but what's interesting is that uh, obviously balls and strikes are not included. Interference is not included. Obstruction. And I think the one that kind of hit people scratching their heads is the neighborhood call on double plays. Because as we often see, you know, uh, teams get the double play call with the shortstop five feet away from the bag. Um, in the end, though, I, I think it's time that Major League Baseball entered uh, a new century. And we can argue that uh, the the way they're implementing it may not be the best with the challenge system, which I'm sure is going. There's going to be some controversies this year by uh, managers who screw up their challenges and things like that. But I think they're headed in the right direction, Kurt. What's your thoughts on the elimination of the human element? At least uh, on getting, at least not completely getting rid of it, but getting right because that strike zone ain't gonna yeah. <laughs> that strike zone ain't changing. But uh, yeah, the I. I it's funny because if you know, long time people who followed me would could, could look back and and and, and notice how my opinions change. You yeah. know, uh, I wrote at Mac Avenue Tigers. I thought Jack Morris was a Hall of Famer and Alan Trammell wasn't. Yeah. Now I write the exact opposite. In the past, I said, look, I don't think baseball should have instant replay. I think baseball is fine the way it is, and I've changed that opinion. I think baseball needs instant replay, uh, and I think we needed expanded instant replay in the game, like like they've done and. It's not perfect. No, nothing's perfect. I don't, you know, you you try and make a committee. No one's ever going to agree. And and no matter what baseball does, did, people are going to point out why it's not going to work right. There's, there's, there isn't anything they could do right. But, you know, I think we've seen this works relatively okay in the NFL. I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's, it's a bad system. And, and you know, the, there's going to be able to have the, the, the you know, the umps and, and the, the, the video ump can can you know flag their own replay in the final couple of innings. So it's a system I think is going to be fine. I don't think it's really going to slow the game down. You know, people go, oh, it slows the game down. You know, it slows the game down is when Jim Leland goes out there and pantomimes for five minutes. That slows yeah. the game down. Now it's more enjoyable than an instant replay. I'd sure as hell rather watch Jim pantomiming. But you know, it, I don't think it's really going to change and make games longer. I think it's going to be a, a decent system. Is uh, get plays right. Hey, if we had it a few years ago, we would we would have had a perfect game in Tigers history with Armando Galarraga. Yeah, exactly. And and I don't I don't know you know too many people who would who would prefer to have that call stand incorrectly. So it it's fine. It it well we'll see. I mean they might have to tweak it at the end of the year. That that's fine. We'll, yeah, we'll the NFL has tweaked theirs over the years, for example. And we're well, probably going to see more rule changes come from this as well as we've seen in football. And, and by the way, I like the neighborhood play. You know, people go, well, maybe you can tell them, you know, you're out if you slide into this. I, I like the neighborhood play because I'd rather see my, my shortstop and second baseman stay healthy. And if they're close enough to the bag and protecting themselves, I mean, if it's, if they're being ridiculous, that's different. But if they're, if they're protecting themselves with a neighborhood play, I'm fine with that. I think it should stand. Yeah. But I, I, I know hook slide. I think you're agreeing with this. I think you're in favor of this as well. But I have a feeling that there's going to be some controversies that, well, uh, that may result in uh, very some upset people and maybe some ultimate rules changes. I mean, we've really seen the NFL, uh, for example, replay has uh, given us the term the process of the catch. Or there was the play uh, recently where uh, 
I believe it was a, a Seattle uh, linebacker, recovered the ball, blatantly had it in his hands. You know, replay showed that. And, you know, and while at the same time his knee was being destroyed, yet there was then a pile upon him, and the other team got the ball back. And it turned out they could not review it. It wasn't in the rules. So I, I don't know about you. I think it's going to be interesting to see this first season of replay and just see how it affects the game and how it's going to affect the future of the game. Because I swear that we're going to see some changes uh, in the, how the game is played that we did not see coming because of replay. Oh, Al, you had me at NFL. <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's going gonna, it's gonna to really drag the games out a lot, especially since they're using Phantom Cam for all the replays. <laughs> That's going to be, wow, but, days and But days. keep in mind, though, I, I think <laughs> we, can, we can agree that they're going to standardize camera angles at every park, which I think oh, is Oh, yeah, good. absolutely. Yeah. The question I have is, you know, that the, the, there is uh, – what's, what's I'm trying to say? that The umpires, I think, they want to kind of try and – stick together and protect yep. each other on some of these things. Then blue it will be, line, the thin blue line. Exactly. It's going to be interesting to me to see how often they go ahead and uphold their original calls anyway. Yeah. Because ultimately it still remains in their control, right? I mean, the manager can challenge. You can go back and look at the replay. Everybody can be watching the replay and saying, oh, my God, it's so obvious what happened here. Yeah, we see that in football all the time. Where it goes, we That's see it not conclusive, and it's considered a conclusive. You're right. Sure. Sure, it's, it's happened even in, in the limited replay that has been in baseball. Yeah, yeah. And people argue about and go back and, no, you watch that tape again and you'll see they got it wrong. Even How did they get it wrong after the, oh, golly, what was the most recent one? It was what, the, the playoffs in 2012, right? Yeah, the home right? run, right? The home run. People argued over that. Which home run? Uh, the, the one where they thought the fan interfered. I'm not, you're talking about the Tigers' A's yeah. game? Yeah. Uh, yeah, okay. That, or the, that, or the yeah. obstruction play. In the, uh, the obstruction play. I was thinking of of the the 2012 playoffs, though, when they, when they had the uh, infield fly. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. yeah that, 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 that was weird. no. That, that, was, that was. But that's a rule interpretation. Yeah. Right. But, but you got. But that would not be covered under replay because yeah. it's a rules interpretation. Yeah. A really bad point. one, if you ask me. But. Yeah. Right. So I mean, that, that I think that still remains to you know to be seen to say, well, is it really going to fix a whole lot? <laughs> you know, I don't know, but. I, I'm all for it. I, I mean, yeah, let's let's try and get the calls right. I think that I think that's it right there. If you can, if there's a way to get the calls right, you got to get the calls right. And that means uh, taking the umpires out of it just a little bit, because as you said, as Hillside said, yeah. they are still going to be the ultimate arbiters of. Here's what here's what I like though, Al. Right. Mm-hmm. I love the fact that we're going to get to see replays on the big screen yes. in the stadiums now. Yes. That. Is probably the that makes me the most happy. There have been so many times I would be at a game, there'd be a controversial call, you'd have Jim Leland out there, you know, kicking things around, and, I, and I'm in the stands going, "What happened? What happened? I want to see. I want to see it." You know, now we're going to get to actually watch it, and that's cool. Yeah, and uh, which uh, and I'm kind of looking forward to that because I'm just waiting for uh, the next disco demolition night to happen for, with White Sox fans when a replay goes against them. So. <laughs> and it could, knowing that crowd. All right, guys, let's wrap up this podcast as uh, we're running a little bit long, and Kurt needs to take a nap as we're recording this on a Friday afternoon before he starts his long shift of yelling for gifts, uh, essentially Olympic gifts at this point, because, well, we're it's Olympic season. Well, it'll be, it'll be opening ceremony gifts, but at least because I, I'm, you know, like like Al, you know, yes. near near Canada. Technically, I'm three hours from Canada, but it's close enough. Uh, you know, I already saw the opening ceremony. Same until, here. Yeah. Until the podcast, anyway. So. 
Yeah, and a word of warning, uh, there are going to be moments of the Olympic ceremony where you're going to swear you took the brown acid at Woodstock. It's that weird. But then it's Russia. It's always And, and trust Al on this. Al has experience. <laughs> like I said before the podcast, guys, I'm already tripping, so yeah. I'm, I'm there. balls, as they say. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up the show. So is there anything you guys like to add before we call it a podcast and talk again next week? So, Kurt, anything else on your mind? Hook slide, anything you like to add? Uh nope. It's it's good to do this again though. So Yeah, yeah, I think I think that's the best way to end the show. It's uh I we've all gotten our rants in. We've been able to cover the last two months of baseball and now we can now kick back back covering just the past week of baseball on the Bless You Boys podcast. So we plan on being back next week. Of course we need to let the listeners know where they can find you online. Hook slide, where are you available? Buried under a snowdrift. <laughs> It is hook slide byb on Twitter. Uh, Mr. Menchin, yourself? I am byb Kurt on Twitter, and of course uh, I run, you know, at Bless You Boys, and, and I think Al and Rob and Melissa all, all kind of helping that. Too. Yeah, and uh, we all have access to it, but it's pretty much Kurt 90% of the time. Obviously, that'll hopefully change with Melissa uh, stepping up on the social aspect. But again, we'll we'll talk about that later. Well, you know, once the season gets here. Exactly. And, of course, I'm on Twitter, at BigLBYB. And, of course, please like us on Facebook. Uh, again, just search Bless You Boys please on like Facebook. like us. We're lonely. Yes, exactly. And, but Kurt was so excited when uh, his, he put together a little picture that got uh, over 150 likes. He, even, you know, he goes, Al, you got to check this out. <laughs> I- 200, you know, like 150 shares, 220 likes, uh, 8,000 people saw it, so, you know, and, and not a single person uh, decided to like the Bless You Boys page. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that hurt. That hurt. And that, guys, that hurts Kurt down to the core. So he put, you know, he's pretty much been the point man on the Facebook page, so please like our Facebook page at byb.tigers. Uh, an easy way to find it just search bless you voice and you'll find it all right guys let's wrap up this podcast before we put the listeners to sleep if they're not already so (laughs) all right (laughs) until this time next week uh, this is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck and aloha and all that along with book slide it can't stay this cold forever guys hang in there and Kurt Benjamin. Kurt's going to still have Florida on the mind on the next Bless You Boys podcast. <laughs>